Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? Going good. Happy Thanksgiving, belatedly, I guess. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Neither one of us are at home. No, we're not. You're in the mountains. On the the road. Yeah, you're in the mountains. I'm at the beach. Um, And it's been a good week. Been a good week to be away. Yeah, nice to... Nice to break away with family and uh, just to to be able to do that. We we got away in the RV, so it has been, I know there's been a lot of different discussions about travel and things like that, but we sort of found a way to be able to do it and kind of kind of hang, still hang with ourselves, but just take our little house with us. Yes. And my family and I took off to the beach last week and we've been here socially distancing from everyone staying as far as we can from people at the beach and just sitting out watching the waves and listening to the waves at night and just enjoying ourselves. So it's been a yeah, good week. Yeah, and the, the, the weather's been nice down there, oh, as I've gosh, seen. Oh, gosh, it's been Correct. amazing. 75 degrees and sunny every day. We've had a little fog this morning, and that's it. That That is the extent of the weather that we've had this week. Everything else has just been gorgeous and sunny, and the fog's burning off right now, and it's going to be a beautiful day again. So we, we picked a good week to be at the beach. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I hope everyone listening has had a wonderful Thanksgiving and in the midst of a very strange year that we've all sort of found things to be thankful for. Yes, absolutely, Amy. And one thing we are thankful for is our sponsor, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. This fall, Southwestern Seminary announced a new joint Master of Divinity and Master of Business Administration degree. Built in partnership with Dallas Baptist University, this new degree path is designed to equip believers with a versatile degree for today's church and marketplace. Equipped with deep theological knowledge and flexible business skills, men and women will be able to use this training to take the gospel all over the world, wherever God may call them. If you're interested in this new joint MDiv MBA program, then visit swbts.edu slash MDiv MBA for more information. That's swbts.edu slash MDiv MBA. All right, Amy, we jump into it this week. Some big news, uh, basically the night before Thanksgiving, I think that Thursday or that Wednesday night, uh, Supreme Court issued a 5-4 ruling blocking some limitations on houses of worship in New York that was passed down by Governor Cuomo. Yeah, so basically what he had done was to declare certain areas of the city to have, um, I guess, alert levels depending on the virus hotspots, clusters. So there were kind of red zones, orange zones, yellow zones. And and in each zone, he had indicated they would have certain health restrictions or certain public health, you know, limitations, things like that. So they're doing this in, in an attempt to manage the spread. But the concern was, that certain restrictions were on houses of worship that weren't necessarily on other places, you know, places of business, things like that. And so that was the argument. And the Supreme Court, essentially, they, in a 5-4 vote, they moved that that was unconstitutional, that they couldn't do that um, if it wasn't comparable, you know, that, that it wasn't. Now, what they were discussing, I believe... The restrictions or the red zones, whatever, were not in the spots anymore or had not yet in these places. So practically, this doesn't really affect or change anything. What it does is it makes a statement that it can't happen. 
Yes. So it's setting um, a precedent, basically. Right. That's what's happening. And, and yes. this has been the big discussion on religious liberty throughout the entire COVID nineteen pandemic is the difference in restrictions placed on houses of worship and religious institutions versus non-religious or other uh, entities. The URLC has been vocal across the country, especially in Nevada, places like that where uh, casinos and churches were being treated differently and those kind of things. And, and they even filed a, a brief, a friend of the court brief in this case in New York. So, I mean, this is something that they've been watching for, they've been working for, and something that it, while it wasn't really affecting Southern Baptist churches, I think the, the Roman Catholic Church and the Orthodox Jewish synagogues in that area, they were the ones that had actually started this uh, suit. And they were in, right, and they were in red zones at the time that it started. The, they That was lifted by the time it got there, but the question was still on the table. And so that's where, you know, because I heard that Governor Cuomo's reaction was like, well, this doesn't really do much because... The restrictions were already lifted. I, that's not the point. I mean, that that really isn't the point. The point is, can you do that with, without restricting other things? Because that, like we said, it's going to set a precedent moving forward. And it kind of sounds, uh, it's kind of a shot across the bow of some of the governors. We've seen it and we've talked about it here on the podcast in Kentucky, in Nevada, California, New Mexico, I believe. But, you know, this this kind of puts those governors on warning, hey, you can't do this. And be more careful with your edicts that you're coming down with, because if you're going to discriminate against religious liberty in these states, the Supreme Court's already ruled and they're going to rule against you more than likely in the future. So uh, that's that's just something to keep in mind as we move forward and, you know, with these hotspots popping up. That's right. And the uh, the other thing that this does is send a bit of a signal about the shift in the Supreme Court. Um, as we now have nine justices, Amy Coney Barrett is on there. And so this was a 5-4 decision that kind of went in a different direction than we often see. So we're, we're going to start seeing what the realignment begins to look like. So it was, um, so, so that's, that's certainly of interest. And I always encourage, and we'll put it in the show notes, I always encourage that when we're, thinking about this, interacting with this, we need, you know, read the opinions because there are a number of opinions that were written. You know, there's a majority opinion and then a dissenting opinion, but then there are concurring opinions that other justices might write and they share their thoughts on this. Um, and I think those are always very helpful resources when we are interacting and, and, and processing what's happened because it helps us to see what the court is thinking and how they are processing it. Yeah. That was good news, Amy. I think maybe we have our last state meeting recaps, Amy. I, I could be wrong on this, but we have a few this week that might be the last little bit of the state recaps. We start in Arizona, where they celebrated at a multi-site meeting. Uh, they had sessions in at Calvary Phoenix Church in Phoenix, and it was simulcast at Mountain View Baptist in Tucson, Iglesia Cristiana Tierra Fertil in Yuma, and Greenlaw Baptist in Flagstaff. That way people from around the state could get together and interact and watch and basically be messengers at different sites. Uh, they yeah, had so sat- like satellite yeah, spots, yeah, like I guess. Satellite spots. So they, it was attended by 160 messengers and 27 registered guests. They adopted a $4.3 million budget, including a $3.4 million in anticipated CP receipts. And 36.5% of that will be passed on to the Southern Baptist Convention for National and International Missions and Ministries. And that is a 0.5% increase from the year before. 
This is the seventh consecutive increase for their cooperative program uh, share there, you know, that comes on to national. And that's a 10.5 point difference from where they started. So they, they were at like 26% for the seven year period. And now they're up to 36.5%. So way to go, Arizona Baptist. New officers in Arizona include Jack Marslender, the senior pastor at Avondale Baptist in Avondale. He was unanimously elected president. Ramon Rodriguez of Iglesia Bautista Central in Phoenix was elected first vice president. And George Lyman was elected as second vice president. Over to Iowa, Amy, where they approved a 10-point increase in their CP allocation. They had their meeting online as well. So instead of having a live stream meeting or a Zoom call, what they did was four one-hour episodes that had interviews with key SBC leaders, uh, state convention partners, and ministry partners. So they did their business through the executive board. Um, And they had conducted virtual town hall meetings via Zoom during the last half of October. So they got input from pastors and members of, of churches, people who would typically be messengers. So it's, it's been really interesting to see how the states have handled this in different and creative ways. So they had had town hall meetings to get opinions, then their executive board voted on their business, and then they had these four one-hour sessions. So they had interviews with Ronnie Floyd, Ben Mandrell, Russell Moore, Kevin Ezell, Jason Allen, and Paul Chitwood, as well as... Uh, pastors in the state, ministry partners, and they have all of those available at their annual meeting site. Uh, But when the executive board handled business, they voted to increase their budget allocation to national CP causes from 50% to 60%. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah, that makes them number one in the SBC now in in the percent that they pass on, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. In terms of highest percentage that they pass on, yes. They also give 10% of regular undesignated receipts to 10 Iowa nonprofit organizations through what's called the Iowa Ministry Fund. Um, so that was the, that's kind of the big news that came out of there was that huge increase. Their budget was $1,537,850 that they passed for 2021. That's a decrease of 9.8% from 2020. Uh, they also elected officers through the executive board, and that's uh, Michael Felkins from Grand Avenue Baptist Church in Ames. He is the president. Uh, first vice president is Todd Stiles from First Family Church in Ankeny. Second Vice President Ricky Rorig, who is from Crossroads Community Church in Red Oak. And Jerome Risting is secretary. He's pastor of Temple Baptist Church in Mason City. They were all unopposed, so they were elected unanimously. Yep, down to Alabama, where they held their meeting online. Uh, we, we talked about this a little bit last week when we mentioned the IMB sending service. Remember, that was supposed to happen at the Alabama Baptist meeting this year. But it had to be done virtually because the Alabama Baptist meeting was canceled and held online. So the mission board budget was passed at $37.5 million and will stay at a 50-50 split. And because of the cancellation, the allocations and the slate of officers will remain unchanged for 2021. So kind of just a pass on, stay where we are and move forward in Alabama. We go to the SBCV, which I I know, Amy, you were sad to miss this year. Our friend George Schroeder from Baptist Press was able to go to this, though. And they had a big gift to the IMB to celebrate their 175th anniversary. Yeah, they did. This was kind of a big deal. They gave a gift of $175,000 
to celebrate 175 years of ministry. And that was kind of the big moment. They had more than 400 people attending the annual homecoming. So they essentially had sort of an adjusted event. They had certain safety precautions and, uh, and it was, you know, a, a smaller group for sure. They also streamed it online through Facebook and other avenues. Um, so I think it was maybe a shortened agenda, but they were able to take care of business. Um, but that $175,000 gift, that was sort of the big deal. They also adopted a $9.6 million uh, ministry investment plan amount, and that will be distributed with 51% going to National Cooperative Program Ministries and 49% in-state. That stays the same. Officers were re-elected by affirmation, so everyone uh, is the same. That's Alan McFarland from Calvary Evangelical Baptist Church in Portsmouth as president, Monty Geis, senior pastor of Swift Creek Baptist Church in Midlothian as first vice president, Vernig Suarez from Iglesia Bautista del Camino in Norfolk, second vice president, and Jim Drake from Parkview Baptist Church in Bluefield as secretary. And so that was the recommendation of their executive board to just reelect by affirmation all the officers who had served in 2020. So we wrap things up at the Baptist General Convention of Texas, where they held a virtual annual meeting on November the 16th, and they had 664 registered messengers via a Zoom teleconference. That's a big Zoom room, Amy. That's a really big Zoom room there. Pretty big. Yeah. Wow. A lot of people on the screen there. They approved a $34.2 million budget. $27 million of that is CP receipts from churches, and they expect to pass on 21% of that to national and international ministries. 79% stays in Texas. They elected officers by acclamation, including President Jason Burden, who is the pastor of First Baptist Church in Nederland, Texas, First Vice President Julio Guarneri, pastor of Calvary Baptist in McAllen. Also, second vice president, they elected Jordan Villanueva, the pastor at Indian Hills in Grand Prairie. And the secretary, Bernie Spooner, who's a retired director of the BGCT Sunday School Division. And registration secretary is David Cozart, the executive pastor of Meadowbrook in Robinson. So that is the end of our state recaps, I think, Amy. We may have one or two that are still outstanding, but I think this draws those to a close. All right. Well, it's definitely been a different year for sure. Very different. Very different. Hopefully uh, next year we'll return to, uh, you know, some great attendance and in-person meetings in 2021. Down to Georgia, Amy, some news out of there this week. They have offered voluntary retirement to 50 of the state convention employees. This news came this week after there had been discussion of a sort of financial overhaul that was going to happen uh, at the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. And so the announcement is they had off, they have offered voluntary early retirement to 50 employees as what they said, a, a, an effort to right size the organization in um, the midst of revenue that is going down. Yeah, they list about 100 employees on the website. So this is about half of them. Now, not everybody will take the voluntary retirement, but half of them are eligible for that. And they have until December 4th to accept those offers. If we have any more information on this in the future, we'll bring it to you here on the podcast. Some other state news. We have some adjustments to some state papers in both format and schedules. So we start in North Carolina, Amy, the biblical recorder is transitioning to a monthly magazine format. That's right. So they've been doing a 
uh, sort of every two weeks newspaper style for a, a long, long time. And what they're going to do is take that print edition and transition it to the monthly magazine that helps, you know, it, it helps save costs, but it also will bring a new format um, as well. So that, that means it's, you know, it's going to look a little bit different and maybe get a chance to update some things style-wise, but certainly in terms of postage, you know, that's only one mailing a month as opposed to two. Yes, and those new formatted magazines from the Biblical Recorder will debut in January with the uh, the topic of Sanctity of Life. So, Amy, so you North Carolina Baptists can keep an eye on, on your mailboxes because that's coming in just a few weeks. Also down in Louisiana, the Baptist message, the state Baptist paper in Louisiana, is moving from 24 editions a year down to 14. So they were doing two a month, and now they'll be doing a monthly edition with an extra edition in October and January uh, to provide extra coverage of what's going on, like kind of an annual recap as well as the state annual meeting. So uh, that starts in January 2021. Now, they have been not printing because of COVID-19 for most of 2020, but they will resume printing back in 2021, and that will go, like we said, down to that monthly edition, basically, of the Baptist message. The subscription rate for the year of $14 for an individual subscription and $9.25 for a church group discount will remain the same. So just some changes to some state papers there. And then we finish, Amy, with WMU and how they are uh, rallying churches for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Now that's kind of kicked off, and now we're after Thanksgiving, so we'll be hearing a lot about that in our churches. But there are about 20,000 churches, Amy, that have not participated the last few years in the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. That's incredible, and we definitely need to raise those efforts. You know, I every church I've been in has participated in Lottie Moon at some level. And so we definitely want to increase that if we have about 20,000 churches who do not. Um, so this is a great effort that WMU is doing, and they're going to send handwritten appeals, encouraging every one of them. Uh, Sandy Wisdom Martin, the executive director treasurer of the National WMU, has committed personally to writing 175 of those letters. And so uh, this is this is a pretty big undertaking. And state WMU leaders have committed to write churches that are in their states. Yeah. So with 20,000 churches, you know, a lot of WMU people mobilized for this effort, as well as some of the IMB senior leadership and staff members at IMB who are going to join in that. And uh, I I love this idea, and I'm really thankful for the WMU for taking up this cause and, you know, getting the word out about Lottie Moon Christmas offering this year. We have the the $175 million uh, campaign for this year, and I, I really think Lottie Moon herself would be proud of this handwritten letter approach. And I think so. That's yes. basically what she did, right? That's right. I think so. She was uh, that. That's one of the reasons we know so much about her, as um, opposed to other missionaries, is because she wrote so many letters, and we and we have we have so much of what she thought, and of how she was pleading with people um, to support the work overseas. So this is definitely something that honors her. Absolutely. All right. Well, hey, uh, that's going to do it for our news this week and bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. 
All right, we're going to go to 1970. So this was something that I just found very interesting. This is a, a time of year where a lot of a lot of things are happening. Obviously, Thanksgiving, we are headed into the holidays. It's also a time that typically the six seminary presidents or, or the leaders will kind of connect. Usually it's after uh, the Evangelical Theological Society meeting now. But there was an announcement that came out in Baptist Press at the end of November in 1970 that the six seminaries had come together agreeing to offer comparable doctor of ministry degree programs if financial resources were available. This was the first time that the presidents, deans, and appropriate faculty committee chairman from all six seminaries met together in the initial stages of formulating a program. So it's kind of the first time that they all worked together on curricular plans or on, you know, plans to offer something because they saw the Doctor of Ministry degree program um, to be an important thing that that would be offered for pastors. So Grady Cawthon, who was president of New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, issued a release and essentially said that they that they would have to await, you know, detailed planning. They would have to await you know, trustee action, things like that. But they were hoping the program could be implemented at the earliest in the fall of 1972. And um, this is just kind of cool because now you look at all six seminaries and they do all have doctor of ministry degree programs. I would guess that a number of our listeners out there may have gotten a demon from one of the six seminaries, but it's kind of cool to think that's the one that they really all coordinated in some way together, saying this is a need in our churches, this is a need among pastors, and we're going to make sure that it's offered everywhere. And they rolled this out, announced the plans for this, this week in SBC history. Very cool. And Grady Cawthon, not only the president of New Orleans at that time, but went on to be the president at Lifeway. So kind of a couple of different places. I think he was also like the Oklahoma Baptist guy at some point, too. Yeah, so it's a it's a good it's a good story and has a has quote from Robert Naylor, who was president of Southwestern Seminary at the time. He was the chairman of the organization of SBC seminary presidents. So he had presided over it. Um, But at the time, they four of the seminaries had doctoral degrees, but they weren't all comparable in terms of the requirements and curriculum, things like that. So this was an opportunity to have some continuity. All right. Very cool. All right. That's going to move us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? Uh, It's a new book out by J.D. Greer called Searching for Christmas. So it's kind of a, um, I guess, an opportunity to, uh, lots of people like to read a new book during Advent season or um, Christmas time. And so there is a new one that, uh, JD Greer, pastor of Summit Church and president of current president of the SBC has just uh, published this. It just came out a couple of weeks ago. I have not gotten my copy yet, but I plan to because I, I want a new book to read over Christmas. All right. so. so you are one of those people that read that new book over Christmas. I always like to read a new book, get a new Christmas music album, watch a new Christmas movie that I've not seen before. I I typically like, I have my things that I love, sort of my nostalgic music, movies, and books, and I always like to pick up a new one. Did you get your Holly Dolly Christmas on vinyl yet? Yes. Not on vinyl. No. I just have it on, you know, where I can play it 
digital, but I, I really start this weekend, but I kick off my Christmas music. I, I bring in the, I incorporate the new stuff, but I always start with Behold the Lamb and oh, have well, already course. begun. Yeah. Of course. Hey, yeah. yeah that's and that, hey, by the way, next Sunday night, live stream, December the 6th. That's so right. Anybody can get a week away. that. Yeah. That's just right. about a week away. So do be sure to get that because you won't be disappointed. So, all right. My resource of the week is a podcast, kind of a new podcast. I've been out a couple of months. Lydia McMillan, Chad Poe, uh, both friends of mine, and they've started a kind of a parenting podcast called Hold On. So that's the, the name of the podcast, Hold On. Like just hold on, you know, telling something that you tell your kids or even like hold on, like because parenting is a wild ride. That kind of it's kind of a double meaning there. But uh, Hold On is the podcast, and they're just Lydia's just a lot of fun to listen to. Anyway, she's she's great. Uh, Works with me at Lifeway, she's great. and many of you may know Chad Poe if you've taken kids to like a student life camp or a, a fuge camp or something like that. Chad does a bunch of that uh, speaking uh, at the summer camps and stuff. So probably a name that you or your youth minister would be familiar with. Uh, Lydia and Chad, uh, you know, just have a, a new podcast. It's based out of a Facebook group that Lydia started a few months ago, and it's just kind of grown, and it's just a neat little podcast. So uh, that's what I'm going to recommend this week is the Hold On podcast. Very cool. All right. Well, we'll have those links. Yeah, that's going to do it for our show this week, uh, kind of an abbreviated show because of Thanksgiving, but uh, I hope each and every one of you had a great Thanksgiving, and and we are excited to kind of officially now, I guess, kick off the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. The week of prayer is this coming week. So you'll be seeing stuff from Baptist Press and the IMB about the week of prayer that starts this Sunday, November the 29th. So uh, if you want the information about that and how to do that in your church, go over to the IMB site. We'll put the link in the show notes, but just go to imb.org and you'll be able to see the week of prayer information. It's right there on the homepage uh, for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. I think you can also go to like lottiemoon.com. And that information will be available there at LottieMoon.com. So either one of those websites or our show notes, you can check that out. And Amy, I'll see you next week. See you next week.